0: This is Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus, exclusively on Lightning Power Play, via the iHeartRadio app. Setup point headman, right to go Kucherov.
1: Score! Well, again, Peter Kucherov did some magical things yesterday, showing off his skill set in a big way. Tampa Bay defeats Washington yesterday, 3-2, 2-1 to two, two to in the shootouts. And let's face it, folks, it was good to have real live hockey on the airwaves and to talk about it here the day after. We will do that. I am Greg Linnelli, along with the radio voice of The Lighting. Always a pleasure to have him on. Dave Mishkin, Steve Ersnick is producing. He'll be chiming in from time to time. And a lot of things to get to regarding this game. We want to talk about how the Lightning played in general and get into some other topics also with Bobby the Chief Taylor, who will be joining us coming up in the next segment. But Dave, it's good to be with you, and let's get into the game in general. I thought, all in all, if you're a Lightning fan, there were some good things. There were some bad things. I think early on, Tampa Bay was the better team, I think later in the game. Washington certainly flexed their muscle, literally and figuratively. And I thought Andre Vasilevsky was fantastic. He might have been the best player on the ice. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. John Cooper certainly can add more to that comment. But what did you make from what you saw yesterday?
0: Well, I don't disagree with your comments I thought the lightning had a lot of good moments though and strong performances from a number of players Vasilevsky included but we can get into that later so the the two broad takeaways that I have and while maybe this shouldn't be at the top of the list but we'll mention it because you are playing a game and you want to win it right they got the win and they got two points because we're going to do this round robin portion of the tournament based on points so the lightning have two points and they're tied with the flyers now atop the eastern round robin standings the capitals have one and the bruins have zero after one game played for all four teams so from the standpoint of getting a higher c the lightning took a good step forward yesterday the other big thing that we have heard consistently from lightning players and coaches is they wanted to treat these round Robin games with a playoff like intensity to help them get ready for their first playoff game, which will happen at some point next week. And while John Cooper said this was not as intense as an actual playoff game, or I guess what he said was if this were a playoff game, you would have seen higher intensity. I thought it was fairly intense. I mean it was it was at a higher intensity level than the Boston Philly game from the day before in my opinion. And I think both teams, both the Lightning and Capitals probably are coming out of that game saying it was good that they had a game like that because it was more playoff like than some garden variety regular season game. <laughs> in November, not that we were necessarily thinking we were gonna have that in the round robin games, but there was a concern that there was not as much at stake, which there isn't, and how would the games unfold? I thought the temperature on the ice was high in terms of emotions, and we certainly saw that in terms of the physical play, fight, high intensity. Both teams really wanted to win, that was clear. So generally, they got the win, And I think it helped them in terms of getting ready for their first playoff game. We can get into specifics, and certainly you brought up some of those, but general takeaways, those are my two coming out of the game.
1: Dave, I think a lot of people after the game on social media, and maybe even with the coaches and players from the Lightning and Caps, talked about how physical the game was, and maybe more so with the Capitals about how maybe they got to their game once they were physically engaged. And of course, on Twitter, that opens up a can of worms for a lot of fans who feel like maybe Tampa Bay got pushed around. And once again, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't get a call here and there. And that really aided Washington in their comeback. And You know, after the game, I think sometimes you have to take the big picture, step back, don't be so hyperbolic, and take the emotion out of the analysis. There's no doubt that coming out of the Capitals camp, and I think it was pretty evident from about midway through the second period and on, maybe even before that, I'm not sure, that they really tried to ramp up their physical play. Some of it I thought was legitimate. Some of it I thought was post-whistle that was borderline dirty. I do think that got Washington back in the game. I also feel like that's the way they felt like they could control Tampa Bay's speed a bit, was to be a little bit more physical. That shouldn't be a surprise. But to those on, on social media, and, and really for Lightning fans in general, that have asked the question, you know, Greg, are you concerned that we were out physical, that they pushed us around— My only response to that is I think it becomes a bigger issue if the Lightning aren't rewarded for teams that cross the line. And unfortunately, Dave, it's not necessarily a knock on NHL officiating or complaining about it. I think it's just the reality of where the league is when it comes to calling games is that it's very inconsistent. And if the Lightning going against the team like the Washington Capitals, for a seven-game series, which they're not doing right now, don't get on the power play a few times a game or even a couple of times a game, then I do think that can be an equalizer. Because I think both teams are extremely talented up front. I think Tampa Bay has the edge in nets. But I think there's some things the Caps may do a little bit better than Tampa Bay. But If you allow Washington to be that physical and go over the line, and that eventually allows them to gain the edge, then I think it's fair to sit here and say, for the Lightning, if you don't call a penalty when they go over the edge, that's a hindrance to them and their game. I think you have to look at the series a little differently, and unfortunately, if the refs allow them to do that against the Lightning without going to the penalty box when there should be penalties called, I think that makes it very frustrating and tougher to play against than if the game was called evenly. You bring up some
0: really good points, and I guess the best way for me to kind of respond and build on what you just spelled out is to lay out the game as i saw it so these may not be facts they're opinions but i think they're they're opinions that are backed up by kind of the flow of play and how the game unfolded and if you listen to to certainly the coaches i think you'll hear kind of a similar breakdown of how the game unfolded so to me i thought up until the point that the Caps scored their first goal, which came in the last three minutes of the second period, the Lightning were in the driver's seat. Now, did they generate 20 scoring chances in that you know opening period and a half plus? No. The Caps defended pretty well in front of Braden Holpe. But if you were to develop a template for how the Lightning want to play generally, they play that way in the first... 36 37 minutes they were quick on the four check they stole a lot of pucks they limited puck possession time for Washington the Caps other than the Hagelin breakaway early in the game and maybe they had a look or two on on one of their first two power plays including a long four on three in the first period which usually they're very dangerous on those other than that the Lightning really didn't give them much and you referenced the skill level on Washington. The Lightning structure was good. They did score a couple of goals, so they were up to nothing in the game. I thought that was a very strong performance for about 37 minutes. And that time included that period that you referenced where Washington tried to up their physical play with a lot of stuff behind the play post whistle altercations a couple of what were in my opinion and phil's opinion on the air clear penalties that were not called on the capitals which is a whole other kettle of fish and we can get into that but even with that the lightning were still in my opinion in control of the game and, and doing very well and they were the better team at that point then the caps score their two goals late in the second and the second of those goals comes on really a pretty nicky knack penalty called on Braden Point after the other stuff had been let go on Washington. That's frustrating if you're a Lightning fan. Certainly if you're a Lightning player, a Lightning coach, and then they score on it. And in the third period, it was clear momentum had shifted. The Capitals were far more dangerous in the third period than they had been in those you know first thirty-seven minutes. They were skating with a purpose. They were passing crisply. They had the Lightning back in their heels. They had 11 third-period shots, and they had way more puck possession than they had had earlier in the game. Conversely, the Lightning were not able to generate much, both in terms of shots, scoring chances, or even just time in the offensive zone in the third period. They leaned more on Vasilevsky in the third period, but they got through it. And they got the game to overtime, 3-3 three and three in overtime. Both teams had some chances, although the Caps had the better chances. Vasilevsky had to make a breakaway save on Vrana, and Ovechkin had a glorious chance early in OT as well. And then we go to the shootout. So that's how I saw the game. So the question is, how did the Caps change the narrative? Did they change the narrative because they amped up their physical play? They seem to think so. Now, it's also true that the Lightning met that challenge, which was talked about post-game. Joe Smith with The Athletic did a whole article on how this Lightning team is constructed differently than the one in 2018, and it's true. The Lightning did not back down when the Caps raised their physical level. We see it in the Yanni Gord fight. It is also true that the Caps got away with a couple of penalties that could have been called and weren't when it was 2-0. And if the Lightning score on even one of those potential power plays, we may be looking at a different game. But the Caps also got momentum from their two goals late in the period. And that may have been a reason or an additional reason why they were able to change the narrative in the third period. So I'm telling you, I don't have the exact answer why the narrative changed. It may have been a portion of the physicality coupled with their comeback, talking about the Caps, or maybe it was more one than the other. We don't know. It's a one-game sample size. But your general point is, is correct, in my opinion, and that is that if a team wants to push the envelope against the Lightning and they cross the line into committing infractions that should be called, even if you're in a playoff series, they should be called. <laughs> and that will have an effect on how that team wants to operate in terms of its, not physical play, because teams want to be physical, but putting their toe right to the line and maybe going over it. And now they're going to back off that line a little bit, particularly if they're shorthanded and the Lightning can score on the power play. But from the Lightning's perspective, they can't expect that. And John Cooper said, you have to go into a playoff game expecting that you're going to get zero power play chances. And that's what we got today. And so the Lightning have to find a way to navigate through that. And I guess the positive news is that they were able to navigate through it yesterday, even though they were not dictating play in the third period like they had earlier in the game. How's that for a kind of windy way to kind of break down what what you were saying? But I think you're right. Teams are going to look at how the Caps played yesterday. Not that they didn't know this already and say, if we get the Lightning. We're going to push the envelope if they're constructed that way.
1: You're right, and that's fine. And Look, if I was another team and I had that type of personnel, that's what I would do with Tampa Bay, and it works. What I'm saying is I think officials, maybe this is the best way to put it before we go to Bobby the Chief Daler. I think, especially in playoff hockey, more officials are more inclined to let the capital style of play go unchecked, pun intended, and that ends up being an advantage than they would calling a bunch of penalties that helps a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. In other words, I think they're willing to let that stuff go more so than call what they should call. And inevitably, Dave, I think that has a negative effect on the Tampa Bay Lightning and more of a positive effect on a team like the Washington Capitals or the Columbus Blue Jackets or let's say the St. Louis Blues who play that way. And that's how I would phrase it. I don't know how Tampa Bay overcomes that. If you play those teams in a best-of-seven, my guess would be when you do get those opportunities on the power play, you do have to take advantage of them. And if you don't, you have to find a way to work through it. Easier said than done, obviously. It was good to see Tampa Bay pick up two points, though, yesterday. We'll talk about this a little bit more and get his thoughts on this with Bobby the Chief Taylor. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play
0: of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
1: So glad you're with us. Here recapping the Lightning's win in a shootout over the Washington Capitals. Their first round robin game. Tampa Bay now has two points. They will take on the Boston Bruins tomorrow. Dave Mishkin along with Greg Linnelli. Steve Ersnick producing and joining us right now. Bobby, the Chief, Taylor, always great to have Chief on with us to talk a little hockey. And, Chief, it's great to be with you, and it's nice to finally talk about a real game and general impressions uh, from what you saw yesterday, some good, some bad, and uh, all in all, Tampa Bay getting a couple of points.
2: Yeah, you know what, guys? I I thought they controlled the game for pretty much uh, 38 minutes, or a little under 38 minutes, so, you know, they got the those two fluky goals, and uh, as soon as they did that, Washington just really came on like gangbusters. Uh, you know, I thought they Washington controlled the third period, but the best thing about it is, for me, two things. Uh, uh, you know, we haven't had that much success against Washington over the years, especially the last couple, But um, and Vassie has not had any success against him. He's one of the few teams that he doesn't have, and I think he needed that game for him because he played – I thought really well, really solid. I mean, those were kind of fluky goals and flunky goals, but you know what? His rebound control was good. He's, he was moving very well in there, uh, in the puck, uh, with the puck and without, you know, moving side to side, he wasn't really opening up a whole lot of holes. And I think that just will do wonders for his confidence because as I said, I think this year his save percentage against Washington was like eight eighty six or something like that, which is not what we're used to seeing. So Those are the two things that I was really happy about. I thought we played very well. We moved the puck. I thought Washington really clamped down the middle of the ice, which uh, hurt our transition game, but uh, Fassie came up big. So that was the impressive
0: thing about me yesterday. You must have been listening to the first segment, Chief, because I basically said the exact same thing. (laughs) I said uh, 37 minutes, though. You said 38 minutes. We'll split the difference. Uh, Yeah. Greg and I had a really spirited discussion. I'm not sure that we reached a conclusion, so we're interested to get your take on this, about the second period segment in which Washington raised its physicality, which happened. And it's also true that the Lightning met the challenge of that physicality. I know you guys on the TV side had a lot of highlights and clips illustrating that, so that's beyond question. That definitely happened. The question is, how much did Washington's intent in pushing the envelope help their game going into the third period, as opposed to the two late goals which helped their game, or was it a combination together that helped Washington's game? And kind of the second part of that is, If the Lightning see a team like that in a playoff series, how do they handle the physicality that's coming at them and not let what happened to them in the third period happen to them in a playoff series? You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. Well, you know what, Mitch? I'm not so sure it was that much of the physicality because there was like 90 hits between the two teams in the whole bloody game, and it was pretty pretty even. But for me, what it was is Washington – started to really shut down the middle of the ice. You know, those stretch passes weren't there. They got guys back in their own zone a lot faster than they did before. Um, you know, uh, and uh, they were, you know, the Lightning were really kind of dictating the play. And and you get, and you know what? They got four power plays. That, you know, and, and this is what, this is something that, you know, you guys have heard me talk about this for 20 years. About how you know, I don't understand the thought process that goes into a referee's head. I mean, yeah, you know what? They could have, you know, there was a couple of penalties. That one penalty on on, on point was kind of really stupid. That would have led to the goal because it was yeah. kind of a sticky tack thing. But take a look at the time when Oshie came back on Gord, punched him in the back of the head, whacked him a couple of times, and he just gets uh, they they just get five minutes for fighting. I mean, to me, that's an instigator rule. And then, and then that's and if you look at the rule book, it is so. The power play really helped, in a sense, because that's that's when you know we you're playing four man down, or you know man down and and uh, they had four of them and, th- and even one in overtime. Yeah. So you know, I thought Washington uh, played a much more disciplined game in that third period. I mean, they got their guys back a lot quicker than they did in the first two periods. I mean, you know, we had a lot of. Uh, pretty good opportunities in that first couple of periods, but uh, they blocked a lot of shots. Washington, um, the physical part of it—they, you know what? If the referees are going to let them play, that's going to play right into their hands. You know, that's the whole thing about which I don't understand. It has been that way forever. If you have a skating team, and and you've got a team that's a physical team, they let them say, well, we got to let them play their game. Well, you're not if you're letting a physical team play you're not letting the skating team play. So it's, to me, it's, it's, how it is evaluated and how it is looked at by the officials is very, very important. I mean, there's very few penalties in one of the games I saw later on you know, I think there was like four, four power plays, two to each team, but then there was that one with the the, uh, Vegas and, and, uh, and no, who's Colorado playing St. Louis. They had like seven power plays each. I mean, you looked at a guy cross side and they called it. So that to me is going to be the biggest factor in how these playoffs are going to go is what, what kind of a referee you're going to get and who, how he sees the game. And I thought that in that third period, guys, you know what, Washington really stepped up their defensive game. That's what I thought was the big difference. And, um, you know, those two fluky goals that, uh, you know, it, those things happened but I mean it wasn't like they were made on great plays or or bad plays that the lightning did it was it was the bounce of the puck and uh, you know and I thought Vassy played very really well I thought Washington got a lot better chances they were shooting the puck we weren't we didn't play a very solid game in our end in the last period either and but physical play might have a little bit to do with it but I you know I didn't see it that way I really saw it that the Washington, up their game, and, we, and we, we kind of dropped ours a little bit in that third period.
1: Chief, uh, with all of that being said, we're here with Bobby the Chief Taylor. I think you're absolutely right that, you know, at some point you do have to combat what Washington was trying to do from a physical standpoint. But it, it's almost absurd for a team not to have more than a couple of power play opportunities in a hockey game because, as we see, there's, there's, you could, it's almost like offensive holding in football. You could probably call it every play if you wanted to. Right. And in hockey, I'm sure you could find a player to where the other team commits an infraction and you have to send them to uh, the sin bin. And, and that being said, I, I do feel like if a team is looking on how to play Tampa Bay, particularly come playoff time, you want to rough them up, and if you have to do things after the whistle, that's probably what you're going to do. That has less of a chance of being called and as a result, it does kind of hinder Tampa Bay come playoff time. I guess it's not an excuse, but if, if you were advising the Lightning, how do you combat that if you aren't going to get the appropriate time on the power play, which is, let's face it, you know, a decent part of what they want to do offensively?
2: Well, yeah, I, I see that. But if we look at it this way, like we said, Washington was the fifth most power, most penalized team in the league last year. We were the third most penalized team in the league that was shocked me I mean uh, and but what gets me is that that's the point I mean you lot you know Wilson comes around and, and you know that whole scrum there when Chernak was the only guy that got the penalty what <laughs> right. I mean to me it's the dumbest that in the world is roughing that is the stupidest penalty in the world. I don't understand that, roughing. This is a physical thing. It's, you know what I mean, roughing. How can, Did you rough yourself? Did you rough by yourself? You know, it's just, it's a ludicrous penalty. It has been that way since the dawn of time, in my mind. But the thing of it is, case in point, when I talked about that Oshi play, I mean, gee, to me, you get punch a guy in the back of the head, you whack him again, you're trying, you're trying to goad him into doing something. Finally, they do. And, he only he only gets five he gets fired you, 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 it just doesn't add up to me but the physical part of it I think this team now is way better suited for that type of a game which you had you know I mean if you remember guys in about the first 30 seconds of the game Coleman just laid a monster hit on I I think it was uh, uh, one of the younger newer defensemen that got back there to um, Number three. Siegenthaler, wasn't it? No, no, it was the. Uh, I thought it was too, Mish, but he was a single number defenseman. And I couldn't okay. see it too well. <laughs> and uh, uh, Nat, no, anyway, but he laid a great hit on him, you know, and, and good out there. I think you know, w- one of the things that has always bothered me too is the fact that if you know, well, this is a physical guy, believe me, all the time, he's in there right away. But for him not to get any penalty in the game, and it was, and you had ninety hits and all that, brouhaha after that, and we get Braden Point gets a, a holding call, and and Chernett gets a running, I mean, and Gord gets five, and, and I mean, it just, you got to look at it like really, these teams get a lot of penalties, they are in the penalty box on a consistent basis all the time, and yet one team doesn't get any. It was. Guys, go back, Mitch. You and I, especially, go back to the final against Boston. These finals, Boston never had. When they beat us in the seventh game, they never had one power uh, penalty, not one. How the hell is that happening? You know, and we got about, they had about four power plays. I, it just doesn't add up to me.
0: Well, let me let me come at this from a different perspective, and then we'll move on to some other topics. Right, because this is a round robin game. And the Lightning got the win, too, but it's not a playoff game. It was not in a playoff series. Do you think it can be beneficial for the Lightning to get a game like that right off the hop mm-hmm. where they had some frustration? I mean, they had that game in hand, if that's the right way of putting it, because they were playing very well. They had a 2 nothing lead. They were limiting chances against. The Caps didn't have much going and then it unfolds the way that it does with the calls that weren't made on Washington, the Nicky-Nak call on point that leads to the tying goal. The fact that they got a game like that already in this tournament, can that prepare them in a beneficial way for the playoffs where they may get a game like that in the playoffs too, yet they navigated their way through it?
2: Oh, I agree, Mitch, 100%. I, for me you talk about conditioning you know we talk about skating and, and and one of the things that's the easiest thing to do in hockey is just to skate but when you're constantly pushing guys off constantly fighting to get through on a physical bad the thing that is that's what you're conditioned for when you do it on a consistent basis it comes uh, second nature to you our team has never been that way it's been built our team is a skating team And I think that's hurt us a lot in the playoff situations over the last three or four years. When you get into that really hard physical type game, it's not so much that they're scared it's they get tired. You know, we're not, we're not, we don't have, we didn't have any size up front. You know, we got a much bigger team up front now and, and team guys that are used to playing that style a lot more now. And I, and I think what it shows is that you've got to be able to play that way and, you tell you tell somebody that you can tell a guy to you, he's blue in the face, and until he experiences it, he's not going to believe you. I've always said that you know coaches are great at X's and O's until the players buy into it and think, holy cow, those X's and O's work. It doesn't work, and and when they buy into it, and I think having that game right off the, the right off the hopper, boy, I'll tell you what, it, it I think it just sets them gets them their mindset, and it also proves to them. That they can win the game. Yeah, it took them a little longer than they thought, and it wasn't an easy win. And, you know, we've had a lot of easy wins over the last couple of years, but this one was a hard-fought one, and we had to win it in a shootout. That's That even right there, okay, we, can, we play the team that tried to run us out of the building. They didn't do it. We came back, and they ended up winning the game. That could be a really good confidence builder for them psychologically and, and put it in the back of their head.
1: Bobby the Chief Taylor joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Chief Mitchell Stevens impresses every time he's on the ice. When Steven Stamkos comes back, does he stay in the lineup or does he just get caught up in the numbers game?
2: Well, <laughs> I think if they're smart, they better keep him in there because he's a guy, he's one of the guys that can really win faceoffs for us. Our best face off guy all last year was Steven Stamkos. And he worked at it and worked at it. And, and you know, that's one of the areas in this day and age where you've got to have that guy. I mean, one of the big reasons why that Boston Bruin power play is so devastating is because Bergeron wins all the bloody face-offs. And they never <laughs> have to go re-enter the – they never have to re-enter the zone all the time. So, for me, I think he stays. I mean, you know, he's got good speed. He gets in on the forecheck very quickly. That goal of his – you know, he's the guy that really set it up because he got in so quickly and that, um, what's that guy's name again, Mitch? That Weisenhalter or something? <laughs> Siegenthaler. <laughs> Siegenthaler, I know. Whatever happened to Smith and Jones? I'd like to know that. You know, In Switzerland,
0: Siegenthaler is like Smith and Jones. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Maybe not. I don't know.
2: <laughs> but, you know, he got on him really fast, like one of the things that, when if your forecheck is going, what you really watch for is making sure that how many times that defenseman has to when he goes back to the puck has to play with his face in the glass. That shows you, you can, you're getting in quickly and you can really disrupt them and really keep the play in 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 that area. And that's what happened on that goal. He got on that guy and 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 Paquette was there as well, and they got the puck out. And it was a great play by McDonough, no kidding, you know, keeping it in there. But it was set up by. Stevens getting in there fast enough to get that, that Reisenhalter, Reisenhalter, Reisenhalter uh, in the glass, have his face in the glass most
0: of the time. John Cooper did meet with the media earlier today, and he confirmed Stampgos would not play tomorrow, so we can presume, I think, safely that Stevens certainly will be in the lineup tomorrow. But, Chief, if you recall a couple of weeks ago, we were kicking around – the subject of how the Lightning would work their lineup in these three-round-robin games, assuming no injuries. And the question was, would they kind of stick with with the same lineup to get ready for game one of the playoffs, or would they try and work in different guys? And I guess now that we're one game in, I'll ask you the question again. Do you think that we may see a different lineup tomorrow so that just throwing out some names, a Jan Ruto or a Braden Colburn or maybe a Carter Hagey. Gets into a round robin game and McElhenny potentially, which is a separate question how they're going to work him in. But what do you think about that now that the Lightning are one game in to the round robin?
2: Uh, you know what, Mitch? I've always thought that most of the the uh, substitution would come on the D end of it. You know, because uh, I, all the time, then I kept listening to what uh, the coaches were saying and especially Cooper was saying throughout the training camp and all that. Was that You have to get the guys together, get the guys that are playing, that are going to play, into the game shape quicker. And, you know, uh, I think we're we're taking um, nine defensemen, and I think that is where we might see something different. I wouldn't be surprised if you see, uh, you know, a shin there. You know, the guy that had a really terrible game yesterday, in my mind, was Sergeyev. I, I didn't think he was. He did anything out there. In fact, he was, you know, he gave the puck away too many times. You know, and he was outstanding in that game against Florida. But for me, I that's where I think you might see a change. I think, to be honest with you, I think Shannon will go in tomorrow before Ruda would go in there, just mainly because of the physicality of it. We know Boston is going to be, you know, fit for bear because they got they got really handled by Philadelphia. I mean, their their big line was nothing. Their power play was nothing. And, you know, Philly just really dominated them. And I think that they're really going to be fired up. And, and uh, you know, we had a big physical game against them the last time we played them before the break. And uh, But I'm not so sure you're going to see too many changes in the forward lines. You know, like when Stammer comes in, you know, that's going to be a big difference when you get into the actual playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I, I could see them keeping um, Stevens in ahead of Paquette mainly because of his face-off ability, and that's the only thing that I see. Could But but for me, I would expect, you know, you might see a different change, a defenseman here or a defenseman there, and uh, and who knows? You know, uh, I, Cooper kind of hinted at that McElhenney will get in but he says Bassi's going to start every game but that doesn't yes. mean he's going to finish every game.
0: Yeah, he so said yeah. earlier today that MacLeany will get in one of the next two but he wasn't sure which one. But do yeah. you think he would get a half a game maybe or would they just limit him to a period? Well, I would say I would
2: say at least half. I mean, he had a pretty good camp. You know, we all watched that. I watched him every day there. He he was better than Bassi in camp. But the thing is for me Um, you've got to give him some kind of game action mainly because, you know, he hasn't had any for so long. And if something ever happened, boy, you're going to be in deep doo-doo. So, but I I think miss, if anything, he'll probably get a half. Now let's say he plays a half and we, and we beat Boston tomorrow. Well, then you know what? Saturday's a big game. You win that one, you've got number one seed and you you're going to play you could end up playing Montreal, but they got beat last night. But you know what I mean. You're gonna have, I mean, they're they're poo pooing on, oh who you play and who you you know and all that stuff about oh we don't need to have worry about that. You're gonna play a good team anyway. Well, yeah, but you know what? You're gonna play a lot less better, uh, talented team if you're in a number one or number two seed than you are if you're a number four seed. So, I would expect if we win that tomorrow, we might he might do it then. But I I would think that if all the games that they're going to switch. I would think that tomorrow would be the game where you'd see one or two different guys in the lineup and McElhaney getting uh, at least some action in that game tomorrow, if not more, uh, two periods.
1: Bobby, the Chief Taylor joins us here on Power Lunch. Greg Linnelli along with Dave Mishkin. Chief, you, you touched on this a little bit. I, I want to expand on it a bit more. What did you make of Victor Hedman's performance today? And... Is it Zach Bogosian's job to lose when it comes to playing with Hedman on that back end?
2: Well, you know what? You know what? He had such a great training camp. And one of the things that, that I like about him is that, you know, his skating is really back to almost where it was before. I mean, here you were talking to a third overall pick and that year that Stammer went and, you know, his skating has always been a big thing. And he's 220 pounds. He's a big body out there. He plays a pretty big game, too. Jan Ruda played very, very well. But he's not He's not that for it. I mean, he can be muscled off the puck a lot easier than than Big Bo, Bogosian. And Bogosian shoots the puck better. And I, I just think he, that's a pretty good point to make, Greg. I, I, I think that uh, he fits in there perfectly with them. And, and for me... That's the one thing that they have to really make sure of. That you know, he, here's another guy that came off a, a very uh, short season as far as playing time is concerned because of those operations he had. And um, I I just like the way he's been playing. I I, I think that Saturday's game is going to be the team that's going to start the playoffs and, and go as much as long as possible without injury because you know you you start on on uh, Tuesday, right?
0: Or Wednesday, uh, potentially. But yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So you, you'd you want to have some of those guys get that last game in. But uh, uh, Bogosian won that spot in the training camp, in my mind. And uh, I think it is his spot to lose. Kind of a long-winded answer, wasn't it, Greg? I'm sorry. I should have said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a good answer. <laughs> it
1: was a good answer. Yeah.
0: Chief, if you've had a chance to follow some of the other series and the other round-robin games, what teams have impressed you? What series have interested you so far?
2: Well, I've been really impressed with Carolina. Boy, I'll tell you what, they're, they're flying out there. And you know that Svechnikov um, and that yeah, – Ojo's a tremendous player. I, I, I'm really impressed with him. But you know who has really caught my fantasy is Chicago. I mean, they handled Edmonton pretty well, and they—if Crawford was any good in that second game, it's a lot closer game. I mean, you know, he makes that bungle uh, from uh, when the puck went around the back of the net there, and they scored in there. Uh, Tyler Ennis's goal scored from the blue line, and I mean, it was a wrist shot, and it—he didn't look really that screw that um screened to me I thought he was surprised that the guy would even shoot on net from out there I think that's one of the big reasons so there there's a couple of goals that you know woo, you should have had those so I was they could score in Chicago I think just the biggest thing is making sure that they keep it out of there but uh you know you've got two teams that can score and two teams that aren't very good defensively in Edmonton and Chicago so but I, I, I was really impressed with Chicago and, and, and surprised at the same time. But the, the team that caught my fantasy was Carolina.
1: Chief, last question for me. What gets better as the playoffs progress, the ice or the officiating? <laughs> <laughs> you need to give him well, a none of the above option, I think. Yeah. I have to pick one. <laughs>
2: The, um,
0: oh man, they're both going to be bad around
2: then. So <laughs> um, I think I think officiating because I think what's going to happen is that the whistles will go back in their pockets, uh, just like they did every, every playoff series I've ever watched in the forty years I've been in this game.
1: Well, that's that's fair analysis, Chief. It's fair analysis. Yeah. We'll see if it if it plays out that way, Chief. Uh, as always, it's fun to sit down and talk. Some hockey with you, and talk about how poor the officiating can be. Gaming, <laughs> I know. I,
2: <laughs> I sorry about that, but you know what? No, it, it just drives me nuts when I when, when you see such an obvious discrepancy in it. Not not a subtle. They're not subtle.
1: Well, and you feel like you feel like, and I, this is the point that I was trying to make with Dave, and we were discussing this in the in the first segment, Chief, is that you feel like that affects the Lightning. More so than other teams because, yeah, they can play a, a a chip and style, you know, chip and chase style game. But you know, part of their game is getting on the power play at times and using that great skill they have. But if you let teams go over the line and not call a penalty when there should be one, that helps that team, like Washington, and it certainly puts a team like Tampa Bay at a disadvantage because they can't use one of their main weapons.
2: Exactly. And that's the whole thing. Players aren't stupid. They're, you know what they're all like, guys. And they're like they're like three and four year old kids. <laughs> you know what they are. I mean, think about it. They those three and four year olds. You know, we all went through it with them. They push you to the limits. That's why when you walk into a house and you don't see anything below five feet in the house, you know damn well they got a three or four year old in there. <laughs> you know, you tell them you tell them no until they get burned, then they figure it out. That's the same thing. Hockey players will take if they take an inch, they'll take a mile if you let them, and that's what's happens. That if the officials clamp on it right away, then you then they got to stop doing that stuff. If they don't, it just increases till they do call it. So it's a very, for me, it's a it's a tough job being a referee. I understand that. You know, it's a fine line between letting them play and and, and policing the game, but. The obvious stuff. I mean, I don't like the, the the coincidental penalties. You know, if it, you know, if it's a, you know, keep going back to that Oshi thing. But that should have been a a, a two and a five for Oshi because there, he was from behind and he, he, nothing was going to happen. And you have to understand too who you're playing with. You're you're, you're playing Gord, and then you know, I he's a pest because he's so speedy and he gets in your face all the time. But he ain't good to. Who's he gonna scare you with his physical problems? He's 150 pounds for gosh sakes. So when it's when something like that happened, that's what can really upset you. And then that's what really lets the other team say, hey, baby, we got it going now. They're not doing anything for us. That's I, I, I think that's a big factor.
1: It's a good point. Chief, as always, thank you so much. We'll continue to watch you on the broadcast and we'll talk to you down the road.
2: Thanks, Chief. Super guys. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Greg.
1: All right, Bobby the Chief Taylor joining us here on the program. If you want to react to anything Chief had to say, you certainly can. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, at Greg Lanelli, or at Dave Mishkin. What did you make of the physical play yesterday against the Caps? Are you surprised the Lightning didn't have uh, at least a couple of opportunities on the power play? And what do you make of Mitchell Stevens being a guy who stays in the lineup when Steven Stamkos comes in? We'll talk about that and so much more when we return. It's the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio
1: app. Thanks again to Bobby the Chief, Taylor, Greg Linelli, and Dave Michigan with you here on Power Lunch. Again, hit us up on Twitter at Greg Linelli and uh, at Dave Michigan. Uh, Mish, I got this tweet from uh, a loyal listener, Travis, and he asked, it's amazing how little the Bolts get power play time in postseason play. It's the same song and dance every year. Gord gets donkey punched in the head by Oshi right in front of the ref and nothing. It's just getting absurd, the lack of calls for the Bolts. And I think this kind of goes back to what we saw in the Columbus series and what people maybe saw yesterday again I, I think relying on the officiating to make the right calls is something that you just shouldn't expect however it is frustrating when you don't get them and it's blatant but I I feel lightning fans pain you know I I saw a lot of that and uh, the best I can tell them is you do have to play through it, and you hope when you do get those opportunities that you capitalize on it, and then when you do capitalize on it, you hope that the other team maybe stops doing what they're doing.
0: Yeah, we all remember the Columbus series, and the Lightning only had nine power play chances over the four games, but that was a series in which there were not a lot of power play opportunities given, period. Columbus only had ten power play opportunities in the series. The bigger problem for the Lightning was that the Blue Jackets went five for 10 on the power play. So yeah. I think it was more a function of special teams for Columbus worked really well and didn't work well for the Lightning as opposed to the number of times that a team was put on the power play. But, you know, you look around the league, there are games and we talked about this after the, the first weekend, Greg. I mean, teams were getting six, seven power play chances a game in some of the other series so it's not across the board. Like I think the takeaway is this from yesterday's game and, and in general in the playoffs. You're going to have to deal with adversity. It's a bad bounce. It's an unlucky break. It's a call that doesn't go your way. You have to find a way to persevere. Momentum's in your face. Can you navigate through that? And That was what I was getting at with Chief, and and he agreed that a game like yesterday will do nothing but help the Lightning (laughs) once they get into the playoffs because they dealt with a team that, that was chippy, that, as he said, tried to run them out of the building, didn't. They met that challenge physically. They dealt with a third period, a period after they'd had two pretty good periods where things were not going their way, but they still navigated their way through it. And they had the tough day as far as the officiating was concerned because they got zero power play chances. But that's going to happen. It may not happen in every game in the playoffs, but it's bound to happen. And if you want exhibit A of a team that dealt with a raw break and found a way to work through it, look at the St. Louis Blues last year. They're at home in game three of the Western Conference Final. It's 1-1. They're in overtime. And the San Jose Sharks win the game on a blatant hand pass that is missed. Now, it wasn't missed intentionally. It was accidentally missed. And that's why they put in that expanded review during the offseason so a team could challenge on a play like that. But at the time, you couldn't challenge. They lose the game as a result. They're down 2-1 in the series. And what do they do? They go out and win the next three and win the series six. That's showing playoff metal. That's showing mental toughness to not let adversity derail you. So as viewers, as fans, as spectators, we can be frustrated when it looks like things are going against your team. But that team can't let it affect the way they perform and execute. And I think the best teams, the Stanley Cup champions, invariably find a way to effectively navigate through adversity, whether that is adversity relating to officiating or something that happens with your opponent. And that's a good lesson for the Lightning, what happened yesterday. They're going to probably get games like that. Let's see how they handle it. Hopefully they can handle it as well as they did yesterday.
1: It's a great point. I want to end the show with this topic. And again, at Greg Linnelli, at Dave Mishkin. I asked Bobby the Chief Taylor this question, Dave, in our previous segment. And in some ways, it's impossible for us to understand what uh, John Cooper would be thinking when it comes to personnel. But based off of what you've seen from Mitchell Stevens and his ability to play with grits, add some skill, but more importantly, win some face-offs, When Stephen Stamkos does come back, is it a slam dunk, you think, that Mitchell Stevens leaves the lineup? Or do you think there is a more than 50% chance, in your view, that he would stay in?
0: Well, Mitchell Stevens has been terrific. Let's state that up front. And John Cooper was asked about Stevens when he met with the media earlier today. And he talked about how much he has grown as a player between the ears, which is not just about him, but he said uh, for a lot of players who are knocking at the door, the key to making that next step and establishing yourself as a true NHLer, a guy who's up and staying up, has to do more with kind of between the ears than than physical attributes or your skill set. And he credited Mitchell with – growing in that way and he said experience helps you know he he was up this year particularly from i don't know two months into the season he came up and he basically stayed up he got some reps he gained some confidence that's a big part of it too to your specific question mitchell stevens has been so helpful for the lightning because they are missing particularly on penalty kill a right-handed face-off guy that Stamp goes is and has been a part of that penalty kill and been effective in winning face-off to start kills. In his absence, Mitchell Stevens has, has gone out there, and if it's a draw to the right of the goalie and you're on PK, Stevens often goes out there. As we saw with eight seconds left in overtime, he won a key penalty kill face-off and he was good on face-offs throughout the day and used on penalty kill in that regard. You're saying when Stampkos comes back, will Steven stay in? I have no idea. But you are getting a guy who is a right-handed face-off performer who's good on face-offs, talking about Stampkos, who plays on penalty kill to fill that role, assuming Stampkos, you know, is able to come back he's not going to play tomorrow but let's say he, he is able to play on saturday i don't know if steven stays in but part of what stevens is is helping the lightning with is filling a role in stamkos's absence so i don't know that that's necessarily directly answering your question but i guess my follow-up would be in our last couple of minutes here who would you take out i mean chief talked about paquette you know paquette is a very valuable player for the lightning and has a wealth of playoff experience and been a big contributor for the Lightning and can play that grit, sandpaper type game that we talked about being necessary in the playoffs. So I guess my my bounce back question would be, if Steven stays in with Stamkos, who comes out? And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, But it's a I, good problem that the Lightning have, that they have depth guys who are pushing right. and, and trying to break into the lineup.
1: And I think that's the point, is that when you're a really good team, you're faced with these tough decisions and you probably have some guys who are going to be in the press box that in other situations playing for other teams, may be playing a significant role. I mean, heck we've talked about Luke Shen, Luke Shen, you know, probably for half the teams out there, Dave might be able to crack their top six, but on this team, he might not be your top seven. And, you know, does that mean Tampa Bay is automatically going to win the Stanley Cup? Of course not. It just speaks to how deep they are and that you really want to take advantage of that opportunity because you do have a lot of great depth right now. The good news is, Dave, that John Cooper will end with this, can have a shorter leash with some players if he chooses to, because of the options he has.
0: That's true. And Usually, if you have a deep run, and the Lightning are certainly hoping they have a deep run, you're going to have injuries. I mean, it's just a fact of life. Even if it's a minor injury, hopefully all the injuries the Lightning have will be minor injuries, and you're going to need guys to slot in and contribute, and that depth will help in that regard, too.
1: Dave, outstanding stuff. We'll do it again tomorrow, and we will have the broadcast again the pregame at 3.30, but our show will air at noon, and we have... uh, what, a special guest from Boston, correct, to break it all down?
0: Yeah, Judd Surratt, their yep. radio play-by-play man. He'll give us the lowdown on the Bruins, who are definitely looking, whether they win or not, to improve their play from their first-round robbing game. And frankly, their exhibition game, too. They weren't happy with how they played their exhibition against Columbus. So the Lightning should be ready for a spirited opponent tomorrow, which is a good thing, because that's yes. what they want to get ready for their first playoff
1: game. No doubt about that. All right, so we'll be with you again tomorrow. Steve Ersnick, thank you for producing. We always appreciate it. We'll be with you again tomorrow. It's the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.